0: Hello my magical friends, my name's Ayumi, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 145th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. It's Creator Week, so let's jump right into today's topic. Today we have a very exciting episode for you because this creator episode is a repeat one, the first of its kind actually. So back in the very early stages, uh, in episode 12, we talked to Kay about her comic, 12 of Magic and Muses, which at the time was in the midway point of things where there were a few little spoilery elements, but not everything that was available publicly had, you know, really answered all the mysteries and so on and well while there are still a few mysteries that are up in the air at the moment the entire first series is complete which is extremely exciting and we're really glad about that and on top of that Kay is working on the next story which is uh, currently being updated as well on the same site as the original comic so 12 of rogues and remnants and It's really exciting to get to this point and for any creator, really. So this is a chat about both the original first story and what's going to be coming up in the next story. And I guess that means that we're going to have to have Kay back when this one is finished as well. (laughs) But yeah, um, it was really, really fun to have Kay on again. Um, You can also hear her on the Magic Knight Ray Earth episode when we talked about season two. And it was really exciting, really interesting. So she has been back on as both a fan as well as a creator. But yeah, it was really nice to to get to chat about stuff. But before we get into today's chat, we do have a few warnings to give. So in this conversation, as well as in the story itself, which also does have ample warnings if you decide to read it for yourself, we get into discussions of bullying as well as a little bit of uh, body horror Especially, we discuss, and there is present in the comic, violence against children at the hands of adults. It's not, like, shocking by the time it happens, but it is there. And again, you can see warnings for it in the, sh- in the series itself, should you read it. We, we try to make a, a kind of a spoiler point for all the, the big secrets of the school. Um, so if you decide to read it for yourself first... You can check it out and then come back and listen. But otherwise, yeah, it's so exciting to have the story uh, out there for everyone to read. And I can't wait to see more of the story as it comes out. With that, I think it's time. So please enjoy this chat with Kay or Patiji about 12 of Magic and Muses and 12 of Rogues and Remnants. are here to come back to 12 of Magic and Muses, and I'm very excited to have our creator back on. Can you please introduce yourself for anyone who doesn't know you yet?
1: Hi, uh, my name is Kay or Patichi. I am the creator of 12 of Magic and Muses and its new, brand new sequel series, 12 of Rogues and Remnants, and I'm excited to talk here on Sparkle Side Chats. Yes.
0: Great. And what are your pronouns?
1: Uh, my pronouns are she, her, or they, them.
0: Awesome. Great. We're definitely super, super excited. And, uh, you know, like, how long has it been since the story finally finished publication online?
1: Well, it's kind of diff- uh, awkward to say because technically the print edition finished before the web comic, and twenty twenty one is when it finished, and right. then the web comic caught up in uh, the end of twenty twenty two. It actually ended on my birthday, so Ooh. that was really fun.
0: Awesome uh, is a
1: nice little present for myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Great! There are so many web comics out there in the world, so to complete a web comic is a very exciting venture. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So before we get back to your story, what have you been enjoying in the magical girl genre since your last time on the podcast?
1: Honestly, uh, that's kind of a hard question to answer because I've been actually like pulling back from a lot of media to give myself some some brain rest. Mm. But in terms of magical girl shenanigans, um, I did go to a wonderful convention uh, in Ontario called uh, Pretty Heroes, which was this massive uh, little magical girl specific uh, show that showed up in the Japanese Cultural Center here. Mm -hmm. And it was super fun. And like, it was really cool just to see like, some really, really old school magical girls like, you know, my favorite Magic Knight Rares with some merch kicking around. And then, of course, there was like, you know, like Sailor Moon scented candles and <laughs> just like so niche, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like absolutely hits all my interests. So, you know, uh, homemade right. stuff that's themed exactly the way I love it. <laughs> so that that was super fun. I had a great time Talked to a lot of other Magical Girl fans. Yeah, it, it was just a really, really good time. So that that's probably the most magical girl exposure i've ever had in a single area (laughs) (laughs) yeah which is really rare over here in canada so it's not like japan where i'm sure there's like dojin events and that kind of stuff but Mm -hmm. yeah
0: i I don't live in tokyo so i can't really go to a lot of the kind of big events and stuff but conventions and stuff do tend to be like generically about animation and comics and then like there's a lot of stuff there that are magical girl things because there are a lot of magical girl fans in japan in that space
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: as far as like magical girl specific events it's usually like only just events for specific franchises and stuff i feel like as opposed to like a genre specific thing unless it's like something that's so, For example, regarding to like just all the ones that are done by Toy, because Toy Animation has done most of them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that does sound really exciting. I guess, what was the energy like in, as far as like getting to interact with other Magical Girl fans there?
1: Uh, honestly, it was a much different energy than I've been to at a lot of conventions. And I think mostly because that has to do when a convention is like very generic they're trying to cover all their bases as much as possible. So like something like fan expo is covering everything from like sports to high fantasy to sci-fi to comics, specifically Cape comics and all that other kind of stuff and movies. Whereas like this one was so specifically feminine and queer and like witchy and like, it was just like a very specific mix of like, Crunchy granola folks who want to like, who like literally dry out their own herbs and stuff like that, <laughs> to like drag queens, to guys who just really want to dress up like the Sailor Scouts. So like this energy was just like, oh my gosh, I found my people. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It, it was so different compared to a lot of cause like most, most franchises are are masculine leaning and very straight leaning and all that other kind of stuff, which is fine. But like this was so specifically like get your pink out, get your glitter out, like mini skirts everywhere, like even people were going like in like their Dungeons and Dragons costumes, oh. which I know happens sometimes, but like they were specifically a lot more gender bent uh-huh. and gender queer and that kind of stuff. Sure. So, and of course, as glittery and as feminine and like sparkles and wings and like it was. <laughs> I'm sure if you had brought in like any groups of five year old girls, they would have lost their minds <laughs> with the sheer amount of like ribbons and lace and everything that was around sure. there. It was great
0: yeah that sounds awesome i i would love to go i like there were certainly some things especially like sailor moon is in particular would uh really be a strong enough franchise to like bring people out for like an event and i know such things exist but like yeah the idea of magical girl conventions like that that really does need to be a thing i would love for that to be a thing that's like more frequent around the world really
1: (laughs) Yeah, no it it was it was such a different vibe. I was I was quite fun, especially like again because it's so specifically targeted. Like you know, you either were having a great time selling stuff, or you really didn't move anything. And not to feel bad for the vendors, but like there was a few weapons vendors, and you could tell that like they just did not know where they were. <laughs> oh no! Oh, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, they're trying to sell all of these like. Like, really well-crafted swords and stuff like that. And then everyone is just surrounded in skirts and twill and all that other kind of stuff. And they were just like, oh, this is not the convention for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess... I mean, you know, that sort of thing is so difficult to, like, find your place. Um, I could understand something like that, like, thinking that it would be a good place for them to, to push merchandise, but, yeah, conventions and being an artist at conventions is such a tough thing. I hope you at least yeah. broke even.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, like, they sold enough, <laughs> yeah. but, like, I think if they come back, they're going to be bringing more, like, wands. Sure. And that kind of stuff as opposed to like the heavy like nunchucks yeah like
0: (laughs) yeah that makes a lot of sense (laughs) yeah that, that sounds great yeah I hope they I hope they can continue to keep that going that that sounds like a lot of fun so getting to your story so you said you've been working on this for, for quite a while, and you have your first finished story, right? 12 of Magic and Muses, and we'll definitely yeah. talk about where your next story is going and so on. But uh, for anyone who has not gotten to check out your story yet, what basically is it about? I guess for in the beginning, at least.
1: <laughs> in like the shortest way possible, it's about a girl who doesn't socially distance enough and ends up infecting her entire school with magic powers. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so the main protagonist is willow she's kind of shy and she's obvious she's built like a toothpick with of course ears the size of her face and then uh her main issue begins with trying to solve a bullying problem and in efforts of trying to solve a bullying problem she gets into like blackmail and then that escalates to like being snitched on and just Gathering all of these girls without any mascot to tell them what to do, mm-hmm. and so hijinks ensue, and the uh, school gets blown up, and other stuff happens. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Of course, as the title suggests, this does end up becoming a story that deals with twelve magical girls. Now, I think it's interesting, and of course, a lot of the merchandising stuff they've done, like with Kickstarter and so on, has also kind of been connected to this, but like you have shown the 12 girls from the beginning. I feel like, like we know what they look like and it's very exciting, uh, at least in terms of like the different colors that they have and everything. But it does take the whole first story to actually introduce all the girls, which I think is really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, I, I specifically wanted to write that way because when the story was initially uh, starting off and I was a brand new writer at the time, It felt like I was collecting Pokemon cards and like, don't get me wrong. That's a super fun hobby, but it's terrible reading material. So I wanted to make sure that each character got time. You could get to know them, even if you technically didn't get to see them as long as the others, some characters would show up that wouldn't necessarily be uh, a magical girl until later on in the story. And they were mostly there so that you could see like kind of the politics of the inner workings of the school you know, like Georgia has this little ragtag group of people between Phoebe, Julie and Jody, and they're not really friends, but they do have like a social circle Mm -hmm. causing havoc (laughs) and stealing stuff for the janitor. Yes. So they have like this little tag team of referees and then like Tilly is the school president. And so she's got a lot of pressure and like her sister is being bullied, but she doesn't really know how to do it or approach the situation. Um, And so, like, I really wanted to have these characters be who they are first and then magical girls second, Um, just so that, like, they had a better impression and you kind of, like, knew who they were and at least what their personalities were like before the fun magic stuff began. I wanted to do my work before I got my fun, whether or not that achieved something in a reader is a totally different story, but from a writer perspective, it was really interesting to like challenge myself constantly to make sure these characters were themselves.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think you did a, a good job thinking in terms of like the long time that we've had, it, well, it means it is webcomic time, right? <laughs> the kind of pacing makes sense for the story. And I think, you know, obviously Willow being the main character, we get to know her a lot, but we get like a full kind of, I guess I don't want to say arc, but we do get, like, a full beat of story with, you know, her and Georgia especially, and everyone else. Like, it just it just feels like the pacing made sense, and then kind of once you figured out that, like, you know, it was going to take some time before everyone actually became magical girls and then like by the finale it's a little bit more uh faster paced
1: <laughs> yeah but by, by the finale they're just like popping out of the woodwork like <laughs> you know termites you gotta step on them as soon as they come out uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah so uh I do think that it was very uh very interesting pacing very exciting and you know I think it's also I kind of wanted to bring it up just because of like this kind of thing does happen a lot with magical girl stories like when they introduce when you when you first learn about a magical girl show or comic coming out, it's like, here are the girls, but then you actually start to read the story and it's like none of these girls are magical yet. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, I mean, there's a big difference between like the vibes of a story and the actual narrative itself, which I think especially with magical girls comes up a lot. So it's like, again, like we get to see the magical girls in artwork and stuff and merchandise from the beginning and then, once you actually get to it, it's like, oh, finally, it's the moment we've been waiting for. So it's kind of like extra exciting. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've always appreciated when it kind of like sneaks in when the magical girls are because they're like, I have this cast, but I don't know who's doing what right now. And I just need to immerse myself with these characters until they establish themselves, <laughs> which is fun.
0: Yes, yes. So to just get into like the, I guess, early bits of it, just for, I guess, we we have, you know, we talked about this the first time you're on the podcast, but just to kind of refresh and just in case some people haven't heard that episode yet. Uh, how did this story come about in the first place?
1: So I will admit the concept of uh, zodiacs and how there's multiple zodiacs was actually like an aesthetic choice first. And I was always like, you know we have 12 months we have 12 birthstones we have 12 birth flowers we have the chinese zodiac we have the greek zodiac like there's these patterns that i want to put together and nobody seems to be recognizing and you know i waited until i was like in college before i realized no one was going to write this story until i did and then i had to write a story and that was a <laughs> that was a completely different experience than i was expecting but uh yeah i just kind of started i had i had started like since high school writing this story um so there is a lot of baby me in here but it is nothing compared to how it was first uh developed like it, when it was first developed the girls were all from different schools and like Again, I had this problem where it was like just trying to stack girl onto girl onto girl. And I couldn't figure out like how they worked together. And I wanted to make sure that I got like all 12 of them together. And it wasn't until uh, about 2013 when I was just like, you know, instead of going in order, like in the mandala, what if I hop girls instead? Because originally it was going to be Willow, Bebe and Tilly. And I realized like the way that I had their characters kind of roughly conceptualized, they didn't really have much going on together. So I decided that I would actually start jumping. And of course, like I have the symbol, which is the 12 mandala. Um, and I decided that instead of going in a direct circle, they would unlock other girls. And I decided that, you know, I can't have all of these girls be friends because how many girls are actually in groups of 12 (laughs) that are all friends? Zero. (laughs) So I wanted to add conflict first. So of course, I wanted to have the bully, the best friend and the victim scenario, right? Uh, But I kind of wanted to like flip it around and play with it so that like what happens if you do give your bully um, magic powers only to find out that like georgia is more complex a character and because the bully has the powers first of course you're going to give it to your best friend because she's already a victim so why (laughs) why wouldn't you make sure that she has the same level as her her bully um and of course willow doesn't know what she's doing so it's not like she's just like i will grant the bully powers it just happens right You know, this is a system she's not aware of or working with. So it just the familiars, as I call them, um, are doing work without being able to communicate what's happening. So, you know, after the three initial ones come together, they're transformed and they touch each other. That wakes up a new girl. So, for instance, if you look at the mandala, um, Willow touches Georgia and then Tilly wakes up. And then later on in the story, when Willow touches Tilly, Bebe wakes up. So you can see how, like, the actual shape of the mandala shows who's coming next Mm -hmm. and how they're all waking up. And because they all have different uh, responsibilities and expectations in the school, there's a lot more conflict because I realized that I wanted, like, especially in the military, like, you start to learn about people who work together but they don't like each other (laughs) and you know that's a very adult kind of way of working and I wanted to like show more of that kind of side so as opposed to like everyone's going to the beach and having a good day because we're all cool together it's very like we tolerate each other's presence because there's stuff going on that we don't understand but you can tell like within that group that there's little cliques that kind of separate themselves and how they have relationships with each other. So sure.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Again, like you said, very unrealistic for anyone
0: to have a group of a friend group of 12. Just it's, it's not a thing, (laughs) Um, especially if you're in still in school. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) so yeah just getting into like the kind of actual story itself so like you said you know there's there's a lot of uh, mystery because the the girls don't know we also don't know what on earth is even going on with the magic the girls are trying to figure stuff out as they go along is it a, a metaphor for puberty probably that's that's what a lot of magical girls are in the first place but like it is really interesting to see like them you know just continuing to like try things out go oh wait we need to stop and like of course, as soon as someone else gets wrapped into everything, it's like you have to start everything all over again. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's obviously very stressful when it's like, what's going on? And it's like I don't know either. That's <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't know. We're just trying to stop it from happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wanted a very domino esque story because I love magical girls, obviously, but a, a lot of like teen related shows especially at the time i was growing up not like the content that they have now where it's mostly like monster of the week or adventure of the week episodes and i wanted to make sure that like in the story that every action had a consequence so whether it was unlocking a girl or revealing themselves to the staff or finding out that like more people know about this than they should and aren't talking about it and why that would be And, like, just the general idea of, like, growing up and starting to learn how the world works beyond what you're taught as a kid. And you can, like, start to recognize your teachers as adult people as opposed to members of authority. You know, your relationship starts to change between people. Like, that's what I wanted to... To focus a lot more on in the story, just because that's how people work. And it's something that I feel that I don't see in a lot of stories is just like that general, like, slow reveal that like, oh, man, like. I am walking into adulthood (laughs) and it's not fun or pretty Mm. and it actually kind of sucks but I can't do anything about it
0: sure yeah that makes a lot of sense so I think like the main I guess reason for that difference is is really just because like of the the reason for the media in the first place so like those monster of the week type shows and whatever that's like more basic hero stories are there to like get kids to keep watching and learn a lesson that's like really quick and easy and digestible in 30 minutes or less and um, buy toys. <laughs> uh, <so, laughs> yes, yeah, definitely so, buy toys. Yes, yes. The, the most important thing about Magical Girls is to buy the toys. But, you know, in your case, obviously you have the opportunity to explore a full narrative that doesn't have that particular hindrance because you know you're, you're working independently and everything but um yeah i think that when it comes to that kind of story and i definitely see it's you know very clear in general um and there's still even at the by the end of the story there are still some mysteries kind of which i assume we're gonna get to in the second story but like in general the the academy is is very interesting there's still a lot of like world building that seems to be um a lot of questions still, <laughs> which is fun, because I'm sure that, you know, you've been planning everything for for so long. So I guess, hmm, is there anything else you want to talk about before we jump to, I guess, the, the kind of spoiler points and everything? Um,
1: I don't think so specifically. It, it's been a project since 2013. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it didn't release until like 2015 or something like that. So like there is a lot of stuff being written for book- for series 2 at the same time that series 1 was going on. Mm-hmm. So there are some answers that are going to show up. I don't know if everything will be answered because I personally like little tidbits at the end of stories that give me something to play with. Mm. But I am going to do my best to try and explain everything that you <laughs> need to know. <laughs> sure
0: <laughs> okay um so I guess oh there is one more thing I wanted to ask which might be silly but like just before we get to this one other point here is like in terms of people making their own 12 sodas because <laughs> oh yeah yeah how would you recommend people try to make their own 12 soda
1: so um a big thing in this story is the fact that most characters have like an animal esque motif, so they have these masquerade masks that usually represent, in this case, an animal of the zodiac. So, um, I usually pick an animal, um, and then they usually have a um leaf motif from a tree and a flower motif for the the leg and arm bracers. Mm. And then they have a gemstone. So I think that pretty much covers the main bases before you start getting into magical powers. And of course, you can make up your own element or or tool or instrument or whatever. Like the world's pretty much your playground. It's, it's just um, if they specifically want to look like a member of the 12, you can see the repetitive patterns of animal, flower, leaf, and gemstone.
0: Yeah, sounds fun. It, it just like... I like knowing the rules about magical girls. I think yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes it's not really clear when you look at a, a, a team. And it's like what what is the exact like you can tell that it's cohesive, but then you might not necessarily be able to tell exactly what all the different rules are. So so I think those are fun for fans. To yeah,
1: play. no, uh, <laughs> we do have a few on the website. So if you are interested in uh, seeing other twelve sonas that have been made, feel, please feel free. We've got a. Pink armadillo, I think. Yeah, that's very cute. And a raccoon and a cocktail, All sorts of fun stuff.
0: Awesome. So getting into kind of the spoilery stuff. So like we said, the school itself is full of secrets. And as the girls are starting to, you know, become magical one by one, they start to realize that there's something going on where the school itself seems to be kind of protecting itself from them which means that not only is this something that like has maybe existed before, but it's something that like the school is aware of. So they're trying to figure out what that's all about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So like, basically, uh, eventually you start to realize that there's security around the school that specifically reacts to their, their magic abilities, which is weird for them because as far as they know, nobody knows that they have these magical powers, but the school itself is very isolated in a way. So like, The walls are high, the most you can see outside is like the forest, even the walls themselves, even though they're hollow, like you can tell that they specifically use them to create a barrier between what's inside the school and what's outside the school. Um, And then of course, as things start to escalate, they start to realize like, they're now seen as a threat. So the teachers start acting weird. I mean, all the way in the second chapter, there's a discussion about a child being transferred without notice, mm-hmm. who's going to have some fun in the second series. Oh. So, yeah, okay. you know, you start to realize that, like, maybe this isn't a place of safety and learning. Maybe it's a place of containment and mm-hmm. quarantine. And, like, I I typically refer to the girls as being infected or sick mm-hmm or there's a problem that they have even if they don't seem to look like things and then of course big spoilers at the very end both the headmistress and julie are transformed into half animal half human beasts Hmm. with very very different magical gems yeah so while it's in the same location that a necklace would sit julie's looks really jagged and broken And the professor's looks almost like synthetic and polished. Mm -hmm. That will have more of a reveal later. But basically, there's a big throwdown between a giant owl and a giant cat. (laughs) With the 12 girls stuck in the middle, just trying to not die. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, just to kind of like jump back a tiny bit, because obviously that's like the big thing. Like the whole ending is this awesome battle and it gets quite violent and exciting. The whole world of the school is interesting because I think even from an early time, you can see that, you know, this academy is like very prestigious. Like there's this feeling that like everyone should feel grateful that they can go to the school. But at the same time, it seems like at least for from our perspective, perhaps that it's quite obviously a bit authoritarian. You know, the girls are wearing uniforms and there's all this stuff about like basically having uh, having I guess their, their money is in like these like credits that are like very regulated and everything. So like it, there's, there's a lot of conformity and and all of that, but I mean, obviously it's, I think the reader can tell something is up with the school, but you do a good job of like kind of keeping things mysterious for a while. And it's like, okay, so they know about the magical girls, but like, what do they know about the magical girls? And by the end, you know, there's this whole big thing that happens when I believe it was, uh, Eve, who had taken one of the gems for herself, even though it wasn't hers, like she wasn't awakened with it, but because she had seen the awakening, she took the the crystal necklace for herself and decided to try to transform. And that turned out to be very dangerous.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hands off my uh, magical necklace. It uh, <laughs> comes with security. So, you know, you can't just run willy-nilly with someone else's necklace. Because I wanted to make sure that no one could think they could steal the necklaces and use them. Mm -hmm. That was a a very, very big point of reference for me, which will make more sense later on. And I wanted to show that, like, it's not a good thing to even attempt. (laughs) Yeah, we could see that. (laughs) And then, of course, that starts to tell you, like, oh, maybe this is why the school has a problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> With these things, sure. like, <laughs> yeah, you have a girl trapped in a magma bubble, what do we do now? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was very clearly, like, a terrifying experience for her after that, but she ends up also getting awakened as her own, she is also a magical girl, but it just wasn't her time yet when she, she was a little excited and overeager, and, you know, all of this does finally lead to the school being... Not just alerted because, um, because like you mentioned, Tilly, like, she actually spoke to the school therapist, which, you know, led to a lot of crackdowns starting, but, like, because of this huge explosion, all the all the school had to be evacuated, and then things were getting even more hectic because, you know, everyone is trying to, like, calm things down and try to avoid getting captured, and the headmistress, at least in her human form, she looks very unassuming, and... Uh, it turns out that she is very strong. It can be, I think, probably a little uh, alarming to see the violence that the staff enacts against the, these girls. Like considering that they are you know, teenagers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I I did want to be very careful with the violence that I showed, but I didn't want to ever think that it it wasn't coming because, like, very early on in the first book, Erin has her arm broken. Mm-hmm just by being sprayed with water from her from trying to like pull her necklace apart. Mm. So I wanted to verify that like playing with these things uh isn't a good decision but when you're not trying to mess with the actual physical object itself and they are with their actual host um they seem very 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 benign. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure like <sighs> We weren't going to shy away from it because, like, even with the bullying scene in the bathroom, you know, the violence will escalate. But, like, I wouldn't say, like, you're not surprised by it, but, like, it doesn't seem suddenly out of nowhere things have gotten, like, escalated from, like, oh, this is such a fun, happy time to (laughs) everyone is dying. It's like, no, this is already starting at, like, a very uncomfortable level. Right. And then it's just escalating because more and more restraints are being removed as you're seen more and more as a threat. So I didn't want to surprise anyone. I do have some trigger warnings on the website for drowning and bullying and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't want to lie or trick people into what they were getting into.
0: Right. I definitely think that's the case. Yeah, it gets pretty violent by the end. But I think that it's... um. You do a really good job of like being, I guess, artistic about it. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's like it doesn't seem gratuitous or um, it it doesn't seem like exploitative, if that makes sense from at least. okay. So, you know, it was like, oh, this is very violent, but it's comfortable to read if that makes sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I am going to say that things will kind of escalate a little bit further in the next series. But. I will say that like part of the story is you're growing up with these girls. So the violence is more or less appropriate to their age at the time. So they're in high school. So like you get like PG 13 rated violence, Mm -hmm. the next series they're three years older. So the violence gets a little more intense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so does like the general like police violence, so they go from authoritarian school violence to more of a general police violence. And, like, I don't want to hide the fact that authoritative regimes are bad. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, and when you have control over people in a second-class citizenry, there's definitely things that those people have to deal with that regular society doesn't. So um, it's not going to hide that sort of idea of um like political violence.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It all like works, I think, in a way. Nothing feels like shocking exactly. It just like just the I guess the image of adults like throwing and wrestling around children is like, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> but but like it makes sense. It makes <laughs> sense. But it's just like it it shows the, the severity of whatever's going on and this like who the, this headmistress is and everything because she looks very unassuming.
1: She looks like your tiny little grandma yeah. in a military outfit. Yeah, but she does make it...
0: <laughs> we see very clearly, like, early on that she is very tough. It is definitely, you know, very... Uh, hmm, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And to get to kind of, like, the secrets behind the magic and also the school a little bit more, like, I guess we don't really... Get all the answers exactly, but we understand that there are, you know, the, these these kind of uh, crystals that are connected to these necklaces are attached to these entities that seem like very otherworldly, maybe perhaps like uh, godlike. It's only once we actually get the school actually trying to reach these creatures through the girls that like things escalate with that uh, whole situation.
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) mostly because, again, the girls are kind of running on instinct and adrenaline. Mm -hmm. So the most that they kind of manifest is the fact that Willow has like a healing charm. But as far as she knows, all she can do is like, fix scrapes and bruises, right? Like she she has no way to like really practice it because nothing gets that violent until the end of the series. Mm -hmm. And by that time, like, she's already had to heal herself from being blown up. And You know, they're literally just trying to distract whatever's going on so that they can leave or get out or just not die. So they do have very specific powers, but it's more like because they're just a bunch of kids, they just kind of (laughs) dogpile and hope for the best. Yeah. (laughs) But like Willow doesn't even have like a weapon, so she's just kind of like, What do I do over here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely a lot, but it is, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to see. And, you know, obviously that the readers are going through the same, uh, experience and trying to figure stuff out by the end. And it's just like very exciting. And uh, with the, the last few girls, like their awakening happening, like in the middle of the evacuation and in front of everyone. And like, as more girls get awakened, the actual transformation is uh, much stronger because, um, we didn't talk about it yet, but like, you know, at the very beginning, like the first time Willow transforms, she has very little of her, her outfit, I guess you could say. She has like the mask yeah. and everything, but like just very little. By the end, it's like these full costumes and it's it's very exciting, of course, but it's just like, oh, it's like speeding up and escalating as we get more girls. Um, I love the, the designs because they're very, um, I mean, obviously they're like color themes to each one, but in general, the palette is more muted than uh, you might expect, which matches also just the, the color scheme of the comic in general.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I, I specifically actually wanted to have those costumes escalate because I really wanted to emphasize the connection between the characters. Mm-hmm. So, like, their specific entities are obviously connected in a way that no one else's is, like, just because their soul gems are uh, a necklace as opposed to a, a raw gemstone sitting in their chest but like i also wanted to show that like maybe these things are also limited Mm -hmm. by each other so like they only get stronger as the girls start to find each other specifically because like you know this is a team that is growing and as they're getting together little things start to change and Over time, it isn't until all 12 are unlocked that you actually get like their entire attire. So I really liked having that visual confirmation that they only get stronger as a unit as opposed to like the main person having the most magical powers. Mm. I really want to focus more on the fact that they are a team and that no one can get stronger without the other characters in the scene which will be more obvious in the second series when I actually have time for them to show more of their different skills and abilities.
0: Mm -hmm. Actually, we can uh, get right to that then. So, you know, this story ends with this big final battle, like you said, right? The (laughs) Huge, cool battle is really fun. Just, um, you know, the action in your whole comic is really fun to watch. And, No, obviously everything ends with that and it's like okay it's over and now what so it's a very interesting mysterious ending yeah so you said that the next story will be taking place three years later so what can we expect from this new story of this set of girls
1: well uh, as it's currently updating and you can technically read ahead if you buy the pdf on the store page now we're moving outside of the school so a lot of this is going to be about like how a lot more world building in terms of like not only how the magic functions but how the society functions in general so it is going to be a lot more you know time with the characters figuring out how to use their powers in this kind of world they also end up separated so there's a different mix of characters with each group so like They have a history together and obviously they've kind of trauma bonded, but now they find different ways of living and each group is separated in a different part of of the world. So for instance, Willow and Alice, uh, Phoebe and Aaron have all been separated and now live in a suburb of the city with a remnant named Ma who is a giant wolf and her children, uh, Dorival and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is not a remnant um, which is the term I use for people who have these powers and change into animals. Um, Dorival looks completely normal but he does have a soul gem that's very smooth on his chest and he can turn into a raven. Um, So like they kind of uh, help uh, Willow's group Survive in the suburbs where they have to be more subtle and like they don't really have privileges of being part of the society except through what Nicodemus can provide because he's the only normal dude. <laughs> so everyone else is a remnant trying to like live off very, very small means. And just, like, how that would affect them. And then the second group, which is Georgia, Bebe, Sarah, and Nana, um, actually get moved to a farm. And their whole thing is, like, they are away from the city. So, like, how does the, the authoritarianism affect them when they're so separated from all the crap that, you know, Willow's team has to deal with? They don't have to deal with it. But, like, they have a whole bunch of other concerns and responsibilities because they also don't have the manpower to technically protect themselves when they're alone in this rural community. And then we have Tilly, Phoebe, Eve, and Julie separated into the actual Lodestar, which is the facility where the main hub is and the main authoritative regime works from. Um, So they will be experiencing the worst part of (laughs) this world and dealing with that. So I I really want to focus on like all aspects of this world as it is and like how the girls have different relationships after they've been separated and like, you know, the just what they're able to do to survive in each each kind of position.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely very curious about what the whole world is like outside of the school because like in the first story basically all we got was the school, which was already very interesting, but obviously it's the the school's authoritarianism relates to the world at large. So, definitely looking forward to seeing how that unfolds, how that plays out. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of a lot more mysteries that uh we can't um We can't quite see yet, but (laughs) yeah. So is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners or readers of your story?
1: All I can say is that um, I'm already working on series three and series three is going to be the end of the story. Mm -hmm. This series was originally going to be three books, but apparently the book that I made for Magic and Muses turned out to be too big. So now it's a series. So I've already written the ending series two. I'm almost finished the first book of that series. I'm inking the last pages of volume four right now, and it's going to be two volumes. So like I have this world I'm working towards the end as fast as my little hands can go. (laughs) And I could just really appreciate folks taking the time to uh to check it out um unfortunately i'm no longer updating six days a week like i was for magic and muses just because i'm i'm waiting to build my buffer back up with the second series but luckily that that's getting to be in a much better position as time goes on so i'm quite excited to to have everybody read it and experience the world
0: of 12 yeah yeah for sure I think it's, again, so impressive that you were able to finish one story, much less continue on to another one. But I I definitely am very curious to see, not just like in terms of the story, how it ends, but like just how this journey has continued to be for you, like as a creator and everything, because it just feels like so big.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's it's overwhelming at times, but you know, sometimes. Like especially as I get older, I start hitting physical limitations that twenty-year-old me did not have. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But luckily, the girls are growing with me, so I think I think that helps yeah. a lot. And of course, as I develop my skills as a comic artist, I'm able to say more with less, which is a very very underrated skill. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not uh, making another thousand pages at least. <laughs> Only seven hundred this time, oh. so that that uh, that'll help. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's just it is what it is, and I usually say that I feel like I'm possessed. Like writing is not like a fun event for me; it feels more like an exorcism. Like I've been sitting on this egg this whole time, and nothing is happening. So I guess I got to do it myself, oh my God. and I'm just like constantly like pouring all of this out of me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely I'm, I'm excited to see the end of the horizon, but it's been a really interesting journey. And I'm so excited to have met all of the wonderful people and the fans and just the general positive magical girl community in general. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I am a part of the Aradia Comic Collective. Nan does an amazing job, like pretty much spinning every plate you could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, meeting you is is so fun. Oh, <laughs> like I always have fun talking on this podcast, especially when I get to talk about my own work. Mm-hmm. But you know, I also get to talk about Magic Night Rareth, which is also something I never get to do.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, yes, awesome. Yeah. Well, it it has been really fun to to have you back and to get to dive deeper into your story because there was a lot less out there <laughs> for us to read the yeah. first time around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so before we go, I wanted to ask you one more question, which is, what do you hope to see in the future of the Magical Girl genre? Not just from your own work, but from, I guess, the genre as a whole.
1: Um, I mean, I'm always for pushing a genre to its limits and magical girls already tend to be a lot messier than people give them credit for. You know, I even make a joke that chainsaw man is essentially a magical girl show (laughs) Uh because it does have so many elements of magical girls. It just happens to be incredibly violent. (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay.
1: So as far as I'm concerned, I, I think the magical girl genre has such a specific vibe to it that getting your hands dirty with it is the best thing to do. Like just push the genre as far as it can go in whatever direction you want it to. Cause I mean, like it already separated off into like the idol genre and you know, that kind of stuff. And you could argue about like stuff like Moe or uh, it, there's so much you can do with this kind of structure. And I really liked taking these girls and just putting them in a lot of genres that I specifically enjoy. Like I do enjoy a lot of harder sci-fi. I do enjoy a lot of, you know, angsty fantasy. So for me, being able to take that and just kind of mold it into my vision was really, really fun and uh, rewarding. So if you don't think something can be a magical girl show, you should do it anyways. Just like, <laughs> Look, if the brats or monster high dolls had magical powers, like, bam, done. That's a whole magical girl show right there. I would watch werewolf magical girls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cryptids, whatever. You know, that that's what I want to see, is I, I want to see just more of everything. You know, we're starting to get more queer. I mean, magical girls have argu- arguably always been queer, but, like, we're getting more magical boys and magical enbies and trans magical folks, and, you know, it's just there's so much you can do with a, such a basic formula. That, like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, just go nuts.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Great. Well, Kate, okay, thank you so much for coming back on Sparkle Side Chats to talk about 12.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. So where can people find you and follow you online? And where can they read your story and support you?
1: Okay, so my story is always available at XII.com. I have updated the website, so you are able to find both the first and second series. I'm mostly advertising the second series right now, but the first series is completely available to read for free online. I do have downloadable PDFs for free if you would like to download them by chapter. But if you want to help support me, uh, I also have eBooks, and they are also available in print, and I have standees and keychains of all the girls. So if you want to start a little collection, you would make my heart... Uh, super happy and excited. I do want,
0: uh, I don't know how I'm going to make it work, but I do really want to get some of those acrylic standees. They're so awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, they're so nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know Zap Creatives did a did a great, great job. And like, I've, I've got people that are collecting them, which is fun. As for finding me online, I've kind of stepped away from a lot of social media. So I do have a Facebook page, XII Webcomic. I don't typically update there because they made it really difficult to upload links yeah. and connect them. So I've, I've kind of stepped away from that. Uh, I shut down my Twitter, but t- the 12 Twitter account is still running, just basically shows updates. I am on Mastodon, if you take the opportunity to join the Um I am Batichi there, B-A-T-I-C-H-I. Um, and I'm also on Instagram under B-A-T-I-C-H-I Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N. Um, so you can find me there. Uh, I'm also on Pillow Fort under Patichi. Um, so if you're, if you're on Pillow Fort, say hello. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much everywhere you can find me.
0: Awesome. Great. So yes, thank you again for coming on. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. <laughs> Whether this was your first or last time listening, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. We hope you check out the rest of our chats over two years of magical content and counting. And if you like what you heard, tell a friend or tell five friends or tell the whole world by talking about us online. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag Sparkle Side Chats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlIu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Did you know we also take recommendations for future guests and topics? Just fill out the form in the show notes. You can even suggest yourself if you're so bold. The very best free way to support the podcast is using your podcast platform to give a rating and review of our little show. This gives the big internet machines the message that they should share it with more people, and I think we all want that, don't we? You can also join the Discord server for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. The forever link is in the show notes as well as on the socials, so be sure to stop by. Show notes can be found on your podcast platform of choice or at our main landing page at anchor.fm sparkleside. If you have a few bucks, you can give a one-time donation at ko-fi.com or kofi.com slash iushinos. You can also commit to a monthly membership, which grants you access to bonus episodes about Magical Girls and adjacent content such as movies, comics, and other series that Magical Girl fans tend to also love. All it takes is $5 a month, but if you want to rank up, that'll give you discounts on art commissions and monthly requests as well. Music credits, as always, are also in the show notes. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are magical forever and always. See you next
1: time.